what does it mean to be God's treasure? Now, if ever you wanted to be anybody's treasure, it would be the Lord himself. And that's what we are, according to the Bible. We're going to study Psalm 135. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Embry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Going through the Psalms is very, very interesting. It is great. We're going to study in about five minutes time. Corey is here. Corey? I'm taking a look at the balm of Gilead, perfumes, sweet smelling things, all that good stuff. Right. All right. Well, in Psalm 135, the psalmist shows the foolishness of worshiping idols, which are nothing more than the work of men's hands. So today, you and I are going to see how such idols were made. All right. Very. That, that's very good. Excellent. Okay. They're coming up in 20 minutes. Janice in 25. Janice? It's our weekly Friday wrap-up question. I had to get that straight in my head. I'm thinking of the question already, and I'm going to ask it. It's based anywhere from Psalm 105 to Psalm 138. Lots of material. Psalm 135, 1 through 12. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for Himself, Israel for His special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, And our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of His treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sent signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his people. Psalm 135, verses 1 through 12. Psalm 135, 136, 137, 138 is what we study today. We're almost done, the book of Psalms. Uh, And this is absolutely stunning as we discover the Word of God. You know, Jesus Christ is the Word, the Word of God. And the Bible is His Word, Logos, the active Word of God in Greek. It is the Lord speaking to people yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There are reasons why it may seem hard for us to read and heed. Satan, the enemy of our soul, well, he desires not wanting us to get close to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his only way of gaining an advantage over our life, to distract us from the truth which God has given to every generation, every generation. There's no excuse. But in the end, God decides based on our decisions. God decides based on our decisions. 
the decisions we've made. We should come to Christ and repent. It's a good word of our sins. Repent. Sin and Satan wants to use those sins against you to destroy you. That's what he's out to do. He wants to make you prideful. He wants to make you a self-worshipper, an idolater. But Psalm 135 says that those who make idols become like them. And so do all of those who trust in them. They become spiritually deaf. They become blind, mute, hard-hearted. They become lifeless. This music reflects the truth of God. It is best to read and respond to the work and the way and God's will will be done. Only God can save the world. Nobody else can save it. There's not a political party in this world. There's not a country in this world that can save it. Only God. Now, there may come along people who think they can, and for three and a half years they try to. But let me tell you something. They can't. And you'll see that in the end. Now, take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us. Numbers are there and you can ask for your Bible guide. We'll send it to you or write to us and ask for your Bible guide. Be happy to send it to you. Or you can go to thestreamtv.com, thestreamtv.com. When you go there, click on the page that says Bible guide, and then it takes you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. Then it takes you to a page where you can download it exactly how it's printed and study with us. Today, we're going to be talking about against Satan. Psalm 135, 1 through 12. Now, Father, I pray today, as we look at Psalm 135, 1 through 12, I pray, Lord, that we would listen to what it says. It's not important what we think, but it's important what you've said, so it can change how we think. Help us, Lord, to do that in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we said together, amen. Now, let's look at the verses because it becomes very important to hear God. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O you servants of the Lord. I, lo I love the first verses. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself and Israel for his special treasure. Now, this is fascinating. God's people are his special treasure. We should praise the Lord. He is good all the time. Let, let me explain something. A lot of people are kind of into this. And they're like, yeah, well, the Jews and they praise the Lord. Okay, but that's fine. But Josephus said that the Christians, the ones who came to know the Lord Jesus Christ are grafted in. Not Josephus. Paul said that. Josephus called us the 13th tribe. Paul said we're grafted in. Romans chapter 11. We're grafted in. Paul the apostle was a Pharisee who came to know Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Pharisee meant separated one. And so we are part of God's people if we have chosen to accept Jesus Christ as Lord of our life. So we need to praise the Lord because we are his chosen treasure. Praise God. Now that means some things to us. 
So we need to study that as well. Psalm 135, beginning with verse 5, says, For I know that the Lord is great. I know that the Lord is great. And our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and earth, in the seas and in all the deep places, he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and he brings wind, the wind out of his treasuries. This is fascinating. God is in control of all things. God's in control. We should always choose in a way that honors God. Some people say, well, how can God be in control? There's wars going on and everything going on. God makes decisions based on what we've decided. And James tells us very clearly that wars come from our heart. When we decide to ignore God, to kick him out of the educational system, to kick him out of the government, to kick him out of everything, and we're going to do things our way because we're great. We've replaced God with ourselves. And when we walk around acting like gods, we have wars. We have difficulty. Look at the news. In America, in Canada, in Mexico. Look at the news. Overseas. Wars. Look at what's going on. But when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord, things begin to change. So it's up to us. We individuals have to make the decision to change. So we don't need political parties. We don't need any of that. We need to make the decision ourselves and seek God. Work to let people know. That takes us to 135 verse 8. Listen, he destroys the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sets signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all of the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his people. Fascinating. God decides who gains control by how they respond to him. God decides who gains control by how they respond to him. We should include God in the decisions we make and we should do his will. Now, this is important. Again, I want to say this and I, I've said this a lot, but I'm going to say it one more time. We don't make decisions. Now, voting is important. All that's important. But we don't make decisions about the future of our humanity, about growing in God by political parties. We make decisions ourselves for who we are. Because the biggest church in the world is in China, a communist government. That's interesting, isn't it? So God is the one that we choose to follow. And when we choose to follow God, he brings control to those who follow him. God is interested in his treasury. Become a treasure of God. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he will come into your heart and he will change you. You don't have to call an 800 number or do anything. Pray and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. I need you to forgive my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. 
A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. All right, we are talking about some sweet smells today. Specifically, we're gonna be focusing in on the Balm of Gilead, which shows up uh, a little bit later on uh, in our reading, uh, but it, it really applies to the everyday life of the ancient person. And I still think to the everyday life of us as well. Take a look. Integral to the culture of biblical Israel and Judah were the sweet-smelling spices, plants, and tree resins that created incense and perfume. As would be expected then, incense, perfume, and oil are often mentioned in the scripture, associated with the tabernacle and temple, as well as with everyday life. Perfumes and scented oils were multi-purposed. They were used in medical applications, and they were used for everyday hygiene on the skin, hair, teeth, and around the home. This created a vibrant and lucrative perfume trade of imports and exports throughout the ancient Middle East. According to biblical, Talmudic, and Greek sources, Judah had a corner on a part of this market, the manufacture of the so-called Balm of Gilead, or balsam tree. The Bible mentions its center of production being in the area of En Gedi in the Dead Sea region, and archaeological work at En Gedi has confirmed it. Just like today's manufacturers, the cultivators and processors of ancient balsam kept their process a trade secret. The balsam tree, or Balm of Gilead, became so intertwined with the nation of Judah that after the Roman suppression of Judea and the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, Roman historian Pliny the Elder would brag that the balsam tree's secrets were finally fully subject to Rome, just like their nation. Despite trade secrets, the general process of perfuming was similar across the board. The incense was harvested, whether flowers, leaves, branches, fruits, or tree resin, and then processed by chopping and pressing. They were then steeped in oil for long periods, boiled, strained, and packaged. Perfume bottles were often of stone to aid in keeping the product cool and away from light. Depending on the perfume's ingredients and origins, this could be quite costly, creating a market for the every man and woman on the one end, and nobles and royalty on the other. These scents were also commonly added to cosmetics like face and body lotions, and even creams and pastes that added color to the eyes and hair. You know, to be a human in the ancient world and to be a human today has human things in common. You know, we, we like hygiene. We like sweet smells. We like disguising our not so sweet smells with sweet smells of nature. We still have perfume and oils and, and, uh, we still anoint ourselves just in a different way. We prepare ourselves for the day. And, you know, it, it's amazing because we, we take care of ourselves physically because we want to, you know, not be weird or strange or offensive to other people around us or, or bring, um, 
negative attention on us for not taking care of our physical bodies. We need to do the exact same thing spiritually as well. We need to, you know, pray to God and allow him to fill us with his spirit. And, and that changes us from the inside out. So it's not just, I would put this in your mind today. It's, it should not, as Christians, it should not just be about our physical bodies and taking care of them, although we should take care of our physical bodies. It also needs to be about our spiritual lives as well, spending time with God, building our relationship with him, praying, reading the scriptures, and of course, applying them to our lives, actually being followers of Christ, which is what we're named after, Christians. Tell us about the 16th of June. Okay, in a week from today, Friday, June 16th, we're going live here in the studio at 3.30 Eastern time. Uh, it's gonna air on my YouTube channel. So my YouTube channel is just my name, Corey Babechko. We are going to be, uh, you know, I'm gonna be asking some questions of you guys, some fun questions. Questions also based in the Psalm and Proverbs because that's where we'll be in our scripture reading. But also there's going to be a time where we're going to be interacting. If you're there live, we'll be interacting with you on the chat, taking your questions, uh, interacting with your comments as well. So if you'd like to check that out next Friday, June 16th, 3.30 Eastern time on my YouTube channel, Corey Babechko. All right. Very good. Look forward to that, Corey. Ryan. All right, well, today my segment is based on Psalm 135, and the psalmist shows the folly of serving idols in verses 15 to 18. And he says this, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Now, this rebuke is made a lot of times throughout scripture, and it exposes such idols for just what they are, inanimate pieces of metal, wood, and stone. And Isaiah chapter 44, in order to expose them, even gives us some detail into how they were made. And that's what I'm going to do in my segment today. Take a look. As part of the Great Rebellion against the Creator God, man has continually sought to worship other gods, gods of metal, wood, and stone. Although these so-called gods can neither hear, nor see, nor know, nor save, man, in his utter defiance, has continued to fashion these worthless idols. In fact, in order to expose the delusion that these images somehow bear supernatural power, God many times in his word unmasks these idols to reveal exactly what they are. Namely, lifeless, breathless, and spiritless pieces of wood, stone, and metal fashioned by the hands of men. Indeed, as the Bible informs us, these idols were casted or molded. Although this might give the impression that all idols were made of solid metal, this was not always so. In fact, normally only some of the smaller idols would be cast entirely of metal, while most of the larger ones were first made of wood or stone and then covered with plates of metal. Thus, the carpenter and metalsmith worked together. The carpenter would first take a log of wood and shape it into the desired image, and then the metalsmith would overlay it with metal plating. Isaiah 44.13 aptly describes the carpenter's process. It says the craftsman stretches out his rule, he marks out one with chalk, he fashions it with a plane, he marks it out with the compass, and makes it like the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. Thus the carpenter would first trace out the image on the log of wood with chalk, and then cut and carve it into that form. 
Vivint Denon, in his work Travels in Egypt, gives a first-hand account of such an idol, which he found on one of the columns of the portico of Dendara. It was covered with stucco and painted, he writes. The stucco being partly scaled off gave me the opportunity of discovering lines traced as if with red chalk. Curiosity prompted me to take away the whole of the stucco, and I found the form of the figure sketched with corrections of the outline, a division into 22 parts, the separation of the thighs being in the middle of the whole height of the figure, and the head comprising rather less than a seventh part. This more modern idol is probably quite similar in construction to its ancient counterpart. The wooden image once made could be worshipped as it was, or it could be covered with plaster or with metal. On the other hand, the metallic outside might not always have had an interior of wood, but may sometimes have been filled with clay, as idols in India are. Clearly, these idols are not gods. They are merely the workings of man's hands, and as such are an empty and vain pursuit. And so the Lord declares, You are my witnesses. Is there a god besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. So while we may not have household idols in these forms anymore, we certainly do have our own idols and gods that we regularly put first before God. I mean, anything that takes our attention away from God and becomes more important than Him is an idol, and that can include even ourselves. But God told us in the very first of the Ten Commandments to have no other gods before Him. And the second is, you shall not make for yourself an idol. So we need to remember that we as believers are servants of God first. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy life, but at the same time, we can't allow anything to become more important than God. I think that's really important to remember that the first two commandments are really important. Don't worship only God and don't make idols. Um, and idols are very subtle because right. it doesn't say don't make statues. Mm -hmm. It says don't make idols. Yeah, it's very easy to do. Yes. Yeah. And we oftentimes put things before God. Uh, you know, time yeah. is a big deal these days. You know, my, my time, my time is mine. And well, hold on a minute. That, you know, from my point of view, just talking about me, my point of view, time is my time is God's time because I've got to put myself before God every morning, because if I don't, I'm going to lose it for the day. <laughs> so I've, I've had to discipline myself and I have to, I have to remember that. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very important. And you know what I find really interesting is that, you know, when we were pastors and, and even a lot of people, when they find out what we do, when, you know, when we meet people and they'll say, well, you know, I, I want to read my Bible, but I just, I don't have time. And when COVID hit, whether you Whatever your stance is on, on that, when businesses were closed, when people had to stay home, we had such an influx of people that would call the office here and say, well, you know, I've always said I didn't have time and now I have time. And we had a lot of people join us and who have stayed regular reading of the Bible. Praise and, God. Yes, Praise God, because it was like God removed, as I said before, whatever you think about that time in our lives, God brought things to a standstill and it removed an excuse from a lot of people. And those people who have really had a hunger in their hearts for God, it was like God said, okay, well then if I remove the thing that you said has, is keeping you from me, see what happens. And so many of you responded. 
And that's so wonderful. So yep. um, I guess I better get to the question. Very good. Just an interesting Excellent. side to that. So the Friday wrap-up question, Bob and Cindy, they do this every week. I think their longest run, if I'm not mistaken, was 17 questions right in a row. That's nice. because of Bob. Right, and then it just good and then job. it restarts. Yeah. So Bob and Cindy, I'm telling you, they're they're quite the pair together. So let's see. Here we are, Psalm 105 to 138. There is a verse in Psalm 119 that begins this way. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not, and here's your three choices, that I might not turn away from you, that I might not wander from your commandments, that I might not sin against you. And all three of them are very good, but there's only one correct answer from the scripture that I'm looking at. Is it your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not turn away from you, wander from your commandments, or sin against you? Now, I know Bob and Cindy are looking, Marinette and Sinclair are looking, Carol's thinking, Roberta's thinking, there's a lot of people, but Ryan and Corey, you're on the spot right now. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Number three. We agree. Number three. Sin against mm-hmm. you. All right. So those of you at home, if you said that, listen to what the answer is. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Very good. There's the answer. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good job. Very good. All right. I hope we can get the answers right in a week Friday on the 16th. Sounds good. We're watched live. The BD Family and Friends is a great way that you can watch all of the programs that we produce right here in the studio. We have programs like This is Israel, programs like Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, great programs uh, like Just the Facts, an old program we did over 20 years ago. We got Bible Discovery, we got the prayer meetings. It's all on BD Family and Friends. You can get to it at the internet at Bible Discovery TV or on the Roku channel. The application is called BD Family and Friends, go there. Or you can also do the same thing on Firestick or on the Stream TV, whatever you need to. Get to the channel and see and check it out because you're going to want to see it. Father, help us today. Help us to follow your plan and your ways.